Let's take our Bibles tonight, turn to the book of Matthew, chapter number 6. Matthew chapter 6 tonight. We've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Jesus has been teaching his disciples some important lessons in discipleship, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And these principles, as we've mentioned before, that are laid out here in these chapters often really contradict our own human reasoning, the things that would come normally and naturally to us, um, are, uh, we're kind of challenged to do things differently. And, and uh, certainly if you've been saved for some length of time, you know that actually that kind of bears out throughout the Christian life, doesn't it? That, that uh, what comes naturally and just what our flesh defaults to is not necessarily that which is pleasing to the Lord. That's why we need His help and His grace every day to guide us, to enable us, to strengthen us, to walk in the Spirit, not to fulfill the lusts of our flesh. And so Jesus has been kind of challenging here what would be considered the norm, uh, especially within uh, the kind of the religious segment of the, uh, of the Jewish life, certainly, and, and challenging them in regard to living a life of sincerity and honesty before the Lord. Uh, chapter 5 of this uh, passage really emphasizes the fact that the, that the Lord looks on the heart and sees the motives, not just the outward actions. And, and obviously that challenges a lot of things as well. But when we come to chapter 6, and last week we, we spent some time talking about serving God in sincerity, where he talks about the issue of doing alms and giving to the poor in service to the Lord, not doing that in order that we might be seen of men. He talked about our prayer life, that we would not pray in such a way that we would seek to be seen by men, but rather that we would be pleasing to the Father in our prayer life. Uh, he talked about fasting in verses 16 through 18, and the idea that even as you sacrifice for the Lord and, and give up things, even in, in terms of fasting, that you wouldn't be doing that in order to flaunt yourself or, or to cause others to see you, but rather that you would be living a life of sincerity before the Lord, uh, serving Him not in hypocrisy, but in truth. And tonight we're going to actually kind of go back to that issue of prayer. If you remember, last week we kind of skipped over a section uh, of, of this passage just simply uh, to say, stay consistent with our theme. But we're going to back up and begin reading in verse number 5 tonight, and we'll read on down through verse 15. So if you're here in Matthew 6, would you stand with me as we read verses 5 through 15 tonight? Jesus says here, And when thou prayest... Thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray... Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be, ye, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of 
before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Last week we looked at the subject of serving God in sincerity. Tonight I want to preach to you on the subject of sincerity in our prayer life. Sincerity in our prayer life. Let's go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Father, in these next few moments as we broach this issue, this subject of prayer and how we pray before you, would you help us, Lord, illuminate us, give us understanding and challenge us, Lord, to be more faithful, more passionate, and more real in our prayer life and our uh, prayer time before you. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. So as I mentioned earlier, again, last week there was this emphasis on not doing the things that we do before men, to be seen of men, to, to cause others to look at us and to think well of us or to praise us for our obedience to the Lord. Our desire ought to be not that we are pleasing men, but pleasing God and that he would be pleased with what he sees in us. But it's almost as though, and you might have even noticed this, as we last week considered this, we went verses 6, or 1 through 6, and then we skipped on down to verse 16. And the reason is, it's almost like right in the middle of Jesus' teaching about this issue of not doing things before men, he kind of just takes a little bit of a detour and speaks for a moment on the issue of prayer. And I think that's really fitting because... The truth is that, uh, that, that one of the things that is probably the most, um, maybe one of the most accurate gauges of our relationship with God and how well we're doing is our prayer life. If we really wanted to measure, if, if you wanted to say, how do I really know uh, how I am doing spiritually? Uh, you know, there are certain things that I could maybe put out there that, that you might say, okay, this is kind of a litmus test to some degree. How am I doing spiritually? Maybe we would talk about your faithfulness in church attendance. Or, or maybe we'd talk about tithing. Maybe we'd talk about witnessing, telling others about Christ. Maybe we'd even talk about your Bible reading. How, how have you been doing in that? Are you uh, making it a daily priority to be in the Word of God? Those are all very important things, necessary things, and, and part of the Christian life. However, you and I both know that it's possible to do those things outwardly in the flesh, not necessarily from our heart to the Lord. Now, that's obviously not how we should do those things, but it is something that probably most of us, I know I personally can say, all of those things that I just mentioned, I know there have been times that I have done those things that I ought to do, but not necessarily done them in the power of the Holy Spirit. I've done those things in my flesh. However, when it comes to our prayer life, it really is impossible 
to have any kind of a real, genuine fellowship with God in prayer if things aren't right in our heart. Because, and I'm not talking about corporately. Again, we can, we can pray out loud before other people and probably sound pretty spiritual, but God knows the truth about us. And when it's just you and God alone in your prayer closet, there's no pretense there. God knows it all. And so I believe that as, as Jesus is dealing with this issue of sincerity and reality and truth, where, where are you spiritually in truth? He takes this, this, this brief moment, this brief aside and says, listen, this is what your prayer life ought to look like. Th these are the things that will be there if, you're, uh, if you are sincere in your prayer to God. And I want you to notice that the first thing that he mentions in verse number 7 of this, he says, but when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. The first thing he addresses is the reality of our prayer. That is, that our prayer life is to be real, not rehearsed. In other words, when we pray to the Lord, God is not looking simply for us to go through the motions and repeat a bunch of words. I, I think most of us have probably found ourselves falling into that trap at times. There are certain times that it's just appropriate to pray, and oftentimes we'll pray almost uh, the same thing over and over. Uh, I think it's an appropriate thing to take time uh, before we sit down to a meal and eat and, and offer thanks to God and, and just take some time aside and, and, and acknowledge that this is a blessing from the Lord and thank him for that and ask his blessing upon it, I think that's a, a healthy thing to do. However, when you do that three times a day for years and years and years, it's kind of difficult to come up with unique things to say, isn't it? <laughs> and so what ends up happening is a lot of times we end up kind of going through the same thing. And, and, and there have been times and probably more times than I'd like to admit that we've been sitting down to a meal as a family and we'll pray at the beginning and thank the Lord for the food and we'll get to eating and one of the kids will say, did we pray? And, and I know that I've even thought that myself. Did, did we do that? Because it's almost as though you get in this routine and you just start going through the motions and that's not necessarily meaningful to you as it should be. It's not as impactful as it ought to be. And that's kind of a silly example, but it's one of, of many that we could talk about this idea that when we pray to the Lord, the Lord is not looking for vain or empty or meaningless words. This is one of the reasons that we really don't pray wrote or memorized prayers. Uh, there are many that are out there, and maybe... Uh, depending on your background and your upbringing, you probably learned some prayers uh, as a child. Maybe you learned, um, the, you know, the, the, the bedtime prayer, you know, now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep, and, and so on. Maybe you learned that. Uh, maybe, maybe you are taught from a young age to pray actually what we just read here, what's known to as or referred to often as the Lord's Prayer uh, or the Our Father that some would say. And, and it's something that is just often repeated because it's memorized and it's learned. But, friend, if it's not coming from the heart, then it's not really meaning anything to you or to God. 
By the way, this is one reason that when I am uh, trying to lead someone to Christ, I don't lead them in a prayer. I don't tell them, here, I'll pray these words, you pray after me. You know, you, you repeat after me. Why? Because what happens is people are often taught that. You know, you, you go through this, you go through a series of verses, and then uh, you ask the person, do you want to be saved? And if they do, you say, okay, well, if you'd like to be saved, pray your, bow your head and pray these words after me. And they'll go through, uh, you know, what would be known as a sinner's prayer. You know, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that I don't deserve to go to heaven, but I ask that you'd forgive my sins and, and save me and take me to heaven when I die. Amen. You know, uh, whatever it might be, but, but praying those words. And then I, I mean, I was taught this way. You know, then ask the person or say to the person, now, if you pray that and really meant it in your heart, you know, and then to try and give some kind of assurance that this person is saved. Here's the problem with that. How can you mean something in your heart if I had to put the words in your mouth? I mean, that doesn't, that doesn't really work, does it? If it's coming from the heart, you shouldn't have a problem expressing it. Now, I understand that you might say, well, I'm not really sure how to pray. I, I'm not, here's the thing. God knows the, the things that are on your heart. God knows and he understands. And, and, and you don't have to have some fanciful words for God to hear you and to acknowledge because he sees what's in your heart. But if you're praying from your heart to the Lord, you won't need someone else to put the words in your mouth. This is one reason, again, that we just don't, we don't teach people a bunch of prayers. You know, when you have this need, you pray this prayer. And, and when this happens, you pray this prayer. No, here's what we, what we want to encourage people. Learn to talk to God from your heart. Learn to communicate with the Lord. He is, after all, your Father, if you are a child of God, if you've been saved. And just like you would talk to your earthly father, you ought to be able to talk to your heavenly father. And so he says, when, when you pray, don't, don't use these vain repetitions, these empty words. He says, that's what the heathen do. Uh, th that's the manner or the way of those who don't know the Lord. Uh, they, they go about these vain repetitions. By the way, isn't it ironic that in the very same breath that Jesus says, don't use vain repetitions, and then he gives kind of an example of how we ought to pray, that those words have become one of the most famously used vain repetitions. In other words, how many people have prayed this, quote, Lord's Prayer over and over and over and over in hopes that somehow, you know, it's, it's going to, uh, that, that, that it's like a, a form of penance for their sins, you know. I, I've done these things, so I need to say this so many times. Or, or you know, people that just pray this before, uh, you know, at the end of the day or as they start the day or something like that. Just saying these words, just repeating these words. And yet Jesus just said a couple verses earlier, don't do that. Don't, don't just vainly repeat something. Make sure that when you pray, it is real and sincere and genuine. Be not therefore like unto them. Notice he says that in verse number 9. After this manner therefore pray ye, our Father which art in heaven. I, I believe that he is reminding them that, that you are talking to, yes, the God of heaven, but he is your heavenly Father. And, and, and he is there as one who stands ready 
to meet you in your place of need, to, 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 to listen to the burdens of your heart, to, to listen to the needs as you express them to him, to him. He wants to hear from you. He doesn't want to just hear vain repetition. Think of it this way to those of you who are parents out there. If your kids need something from you, you want to meet those needs. But you don't say, Here, here's, a, here's a request form. When you have a need, I want you to take this form and fill it out. You put your name on there and the date, and then give a brief description of the item that you need, you know, and, and, and sign it, and, uh, and then submit it to me, and in seven to ten business days, I'll see if that's a request that I can rectify. That, that's not how we deal with our children, is it? If, maybe you do in your household. I don't know. If, if you do, let me know. Maybe that's a more orderly way of doing things. I don't know. To avoid the dad, 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 mom, you know, whatever. No, we don't do that. Why? Because our children, they're more to us than just a duty or a job. I mean, our children are people that we love and desire to have a relationship with. And by the way, when I sit down to have a conversation with my children, I'm not only interested in bullet points of their needs or desires. I want to know them. I want to know their heart. I want to hear from them. I want to communicate with them and have a relationship with them. And friend, I want to tell you, God wants that with you. He wants you to know him. He wants you to communicate with him. He wants you to talk to him and pour out your heart before him as your heavenly father. So he speaks of the reality in prayer. But then I want you to notice this recognition that he, that he gives. He says, be not therefore like unto them, verse 8, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Think with me for a question, for a moment, a question, on this question. If God knows what you need before you ask, then why should you pray? I mean, I think that's a fair question, don't you? Why not just maybe one time in your life say, Lord, here's how it is. My life is yours. You do with me what you want. Please meet my needs and protect me from evil and, 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 and lead me in your will and, and uh, help me to have joy. And, you know, uh, uh, just make requests once and then just go through. God knows everything I need so I don't even have to ask. Why didn't God set it up that way? If he already knows the things you have need of, then why didn't he set it up that way? Think with me on this for a moment. God has invited us, even commanded us, to pray to him with our needs and our burdens. Hold your place here in Matthew and go with me to the book of Philippians, chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians 4, Paul is speaking to this church and says to them in verse number 6, he says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, 
with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then he says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In other words, in every moment of need, in any opportunity that you have to fear, to worry, to have anxiety or stress, God actually commands us to take those needs to Him. To make our request known unto the Lord by prayer. Prayer is a general term uh, that, 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 that has to do with our communication with the Lord. It means to ask. And supplication has to do with asking specific things, making requests to the Lord. And we're to do that with thanksgiving. And he says, if you'll do those things, you can be sure that the peace of God is going to enter in. In other words, when you pray, it's going to change things. Not only do we have a promise that it's going to change the circumstances or the outcome, but it actually changes us. Have we ever stopped to consider that maybe the greatest need in our prayer life is not that God would meet the needs, but that God would actually change us? That He would align us with His will, that He would give us a, a peace in our heart and a confidence uh, in His will. He's called us to, to call upon Him. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 17 tells us that we are to pray without ceasing. To continually be talking to the Lord about our needs. In James 5 and verse 16, we're told that our prayer matters. It changes things. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much or accomplishes much. The Lord has told us to pray because our prayer life has to do with our relationship to Him. It's our communication to our Father. And even though God knows our needs, He has chosen by His divine sovereignty to meet those needs through prayer. And so He commands us to pray. Even though He already knows. As we go back to Matthew 6... I want you to think about these words. We already mentioned the issue of our Father which art in heaven. But notice that he says here at the end of that verse, verse 9, Hallowed be thy name. Your prayer has to do actually with the worship of God. In other words, I am praying because, Lord, I want your name to be honored and glorified. It's part of our worship. It's part of our relationship. It's part of our communication uh, with the Lord to be in prayer to God. So even though the Father already knows everything that you have need of, you don't have to go and, and make a bunch of requests and go through this ritual that, you know, if I just continue to say these words over and over, that God's going to hear me. No, no, no. God already knows what you need. Pray to Him. Talk to Him. Communicate with Him. He is your Father. He is to be worshipped. Pray like this, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Lord, I, I want my life to lift up and glorify the name of my God. And then I want you to notice as we go back here to Matthew 6 and verse number 10, 
He says this, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. The first thing that we are to pray for is that God's perfect will would be accomplished. How, how would it be accomplished? In the same way that it is accomplished in heaven. Now, this earth that we live in today is for the time being under the control, to some degree, of Satan. This is his kingdom. Now, I understand that even within that setting, that Satan still answers to God. And he still is subject to him. We see that, for instance, in the, the situation with Job. And, Job and, and, and Satan had to come before God and even kind of uh, give account for what he's been doing. You know, what have you been up to? Oh, I've been wandering to and fro with, you know, throughout the earth. He had to answer to God. And ultimately, he couldn't do anything without God's approval or permission. But this earth is still the kingdom of Satan. He's the God of this world, the Bible says. However, in heaven, it's not that way. In heaven tonight, as we sit here in a world that's permeated by sin, by people that are living in darkness with no knowledge of the truth, in heaven there is perfect light and perfect truth, and everything in heaven that happens happens according to the perfect will of God. Amen. By the way, I'm looking forward to going there. But this prayer is a prayer that says, Lord, in the exact same way, that your will is accomplished in heaven. I am asking that it would be accomplished right here on earth. In my life, in the circumstances of my life, in everything that touches me, I need your will to be accomplished in earth as it is in heaven. We know, I think most of us, that Effective prayer is always in relation to God's will. That's something that, that I mean, Jesus even, even said, you know, if you pray anything according to my will, uh, th that God hears us as we pray according to his will. We know that. But sometimes I think we have this idea that that concept of praying according to God's will is like a caveat to our prayers. Like, Lord, do this unless it's not your will. If, you know, accomplish this. Give me, give me this desire, unless it's not your will, then don't do it. It's, it's like this caveat. And in some ways, it also becomes a bit of a cop-out. Because if I pray this way, I can pray in faith that this is going to happen, but I'll also add those words, if it be your will, so that if it doesn't come to pass, I have an excuse as to why God didn't answer my prayer. Do you know that that's really not what it means to pray according to God's will? To pray according to God's will is, is to pray this way. Father, above everything else, I want your will to be done. This is a desire that I have. But I don't know your perfect will in my own mind. And I am asking 
that ultimately your will would prevail above all else. Does this sound familiar to you in any way? You remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane? Just before he went to the cross, as he was beginning to feel the weight of what he was about to face. I don't think just the physical pain and torture that he was, although I'm sure that that was weighing on him as well. I wouldn't want to go to the cross. But, but the awareness that he was going to become sin for us, that he was going to take our sins upon himself, that he would be for a time suspended on the cross and separated from his father because of sin, and as he began to feel the weight of that, being in agony, the Bible says he prayed the more earnestly. And from his heart, in a heart of deep burden, he asked his father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Father, more than anything in this moment, I, I, I just want to be delivered from this great pain that I'm about to be facing. However, there's one thing I desire more than that. That your will would be done. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. To pray according to God's will is not to say, okay, if this doesn't come to pass, then I'll have an excuse. No, to pray according to God's will is to say, Lord, these are the needs, these are the burdens, these are the desires of my heart, but I am yielding myself to your will because I want you to accomplish what you please in my life, that your will would be done on earth and in my life in the same way it is in heaven, that you would get the honor and glory for everything. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Notice also, he tells us in verse 11 that we ought to pray for our material needs. He says, give us this day our daily bread. By the way, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that Jesus told us that it's okay to pray for our needs to be met and even uh, to, to, to ask that the Lord would provide material and yes, even physical things. Remember in James 5 that I just quoted a moment ago, he said that we are to confess our faults to one another and pray for one another that we might be healed. We've got some folks that need our prayers for physical things tonight. We've got people that are dealing with this virus that's gone around and I understand that in the big scheme of things, that's not a big deal for most people, you know, just kind of an inconvenience, something that we don't enjoy. But, but folks, there are people that are in need tonight. We've, we've got people that we're praying for that, that honestly, it, it can be life or death. That's serious. I'm thankful that the Lord has said, you can pray to me about these things. You can pray for physical needs. You can pray for physical healing. You can pray for your financial needs. This concept of give us this day our daily bread, yeah, I, I'm thankful for one that most of us aren't worried about where our next meal is going to come from. But we have things that concern us, don't we? 
Lord, this, this bill's coming due. We've got these taxes coming due. I'm not sure where that money's going to come from. Lord, I, I, this might sound silly to you. This inflation thing, that's, has it, have you felt it yet? I, I felt it. Man, we all are. What's, what's it going to look like? What's going to happen? Lord, would you, would you meet my needs? Make sure that my children have food to eat and a place to live and sleep. And Lord, meet, meet us, meet our needs. The Lord told us that we ought to pray for those things. It's not unspiritual to pray for physical things. Now, that ought not be the only thing that we pray for. But God says, call unto me, and I'll answer thee. Show, me, show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Pray, talk to me about spiritual needs as well as physical needs. All right, then he says in verse number 12, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I'm also thankful for promises such as 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I'm thankful that even though I've been saved and my sins have been washed away and, and I'm in fellowship with God because of that, that even, even though I've been saved and, 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 and I am right before God positionally, the reality is I get spotted by the world. I'm to keep myself unspotted from the world, but I, I get dirty walking around in this dirty world. And I yield to temptation when I ought not to and... And I sin, but I'm glad there's forgiveness for that. I'm glad I can go to the Lord and say, Lord, I messed up again. Would you forgive me? I'm thankful I can know he's faithful and just to forgive me. He didn't just say, listen, I, I saved you. I, I cleansed you once. Now it's your job. No, 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 no. I can keep coming back to the Lord and getting the cleansing that I need. And oh, by the way, the help, the grace that I need to go on, because he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. I, I really think this is a prayer. Lord, I need your forgiveness. Would you help me also to show forgiveness to others? Would you help me to remember that I must continually show mercy and grace and forgiveness to others because I continually need mercy and grace and forgiveness. I'm thankful that the Lord is willing to help us in our need. And notice he even says in verses 14 and 15, he says, For if ye forgive men your trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now you might look at that and say, boy, that seems like a, almost like a works thing, you know. If I want God's forgiveness, then I have to be willing to forgive other people so God's forgiveness is conditional upon my actions. And I don't think that's really the emphasis of this. The emphasis of this is, is, remember, the context. The context is hypocrisy. And how 
hypocritical is it of me to go to the Lord asking for his forgiveness if I'm not willing to offer the same to someone else? I can't come to him and say, Lord, I need your mercy because once again I failed you and once again I sinned and I need you to cleanse me and, 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 and forgive me and restore me to fellowship with you. Oh, but so-and-so over here wronged me and I'm never going to let that one go. That'd be pretty hypocritical, wouldn't it? If we're going to be sincere in our walk with the Lord in our prayer life, we've got to be willing to say, okay, Lord, I need your forgiveness Help me to forgive others. I'm willing. I might need your grace and your help to do it. But I'll forgive because you forgive. That's the idea behind this. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Look at verse number 13 as we kind of wrap this up. He says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Do you know that as you pray, you ought to ask the Lord to help you to obey Him and walk in faithfulness to Him. We, we live in a world, folks, that is, it is... Think of it like this. You wake up every day with a cunning, wise adversary, enemy, who is seeking not to just mess you up and trip you up, but to destroy you. And you're on his turf. <laughs> and and, and every, everywhere you go... It's a minefield. There are, there are booby traps everywhere set up to take you down, to cause you to mess up, to cause you to uh, get off track, to cause you to stumble and fall. And every single day, you need God's help. And I need God's help. Lord, lead me not into temptation. That's number one. Lead me not into temptation. This requires that I am following the leadership of the Lord. Help me to follow your lead today, even to avoid potential pitfalls. And deliver us, deliver me from evil. I know that there are things that Satan will put in my way tomorrow. To mess me up. I can tell you that right now. Let me give you an example. I know that at some point throughout the day tomorrow, either my wife or one of my children or someone else that I know and love is going to say or do something that frustrates me and causes me to want to be angry. How do I know that? Because it happens every day. That's not on them. It's not on my wife. It's not on my children. It's not on you or anyone else. It's a reality. There is going to be a temptation tomorrow to fly off the handle and get angry. And I need God's help to avoid that. There's going to be a temptation at some point tomorrow probably about the time my alarm clock goes off. There's going to be a temptation to yield to the desires of my flesh. To put myself first. 
there are other temptations that are probably going to come my way that are things that I struggle with and God knows I struggle with and Satan knows I struggle with and he's going to try to cause me to stumble and fall. And by the way, that's not unique to me. You have them too. And you and I need God's help and leadership to say, Lord, keep me from temptation. Keep me, lead me in a way that, that directs me away from temptation. For instance, if you struggle, we've told people this for years and years, right? If you struggle with drinking alcohol, you, you're an alcoholic, don't go to the bar and meet your friends, right? Why? It's a place of temptation, in fact, you might, on your way home from work, need to take a different route to avoid the liquor stores because driving past them is a temptation. You might need to say, you know what, I'm going to stay off of certain websites because I know that there's temptation there to go down a certain path. Or you might need to say, you know what, I'm not going to be on my phone or on my tablet or on my computer in a place where I can't be seen or where I'm in private because I know that there are temptations out there that Satan is going to try and put in my way to cause me to stumble and I want to follow the leadership of the Lord away from temptation. Whatever it is that in your life that you know is a potential stronghold temptation, something that's going to cause you to stumble, ask the Lord, help me to avoid that. But there are some temptations that you can't avoid. You can't avoid it when someone cuts you off in traffic and you get angry or you want to get angry. You can't avoid the circumstance. You can't necessarily avoid working in an, in an environment where ungodly people are constantly bombarding you with inappropriate language and conversation and a lifestyle that is unpleasing to the Lord and that wants to rub off on you. We talked this morning about how, how easily influenced we are. You can't necessarily just avoid that temptation. So you have to say, Lord, deliver me from evil. Help me to stay clean and to stay right with you even though I live in this world that is cursed by sin. Lord, lead me and guide me because I want to be pleasing to you. Do you see how these things that he's saying we, we, we pray for? This is so much more than just a rote prayer that you're supposed to memorize and say these words. No, he's saying, listen, this is what your prayer life needs to look like. You, you need to have a relationship with God where you can communicate with Him as your heavenly Father. You need to be willing to say, Lord, above all, I want you to be glorified and I want your will to be done. And these are the needs that I have in my life. And, and, and would you please meet these needs and forgive me when I fail you and forgive me when I sin and help me to forgive others and help me, Lord, to live a life that is free of temptation and free of evil. Guide me and lead me in the way of truth and of righteousness, your prayer life needs to be more than vain repetitions. It needs to be real communication with God because you have real needs that need to be met. So with all of that in mind, can I just ask you tonight, between you and God, this question. Are you sincere in your prayer life? As the Lord looks down at you and he sees... What goes on, not in public, but in the closet. 
in that place where no one else can see, is there a true, genuine, and sincere prayer life between you and Him? Is there relationship and communication happening on a regular basis between you and God? If not, can I just encourage you, starting tonight, begin to apply this. Start communicating about everyday needs with your heavenly Father and let Him change your prayer life. Maybe it is that some of us need to go from that public outward thing that we're concerned about with others and say, Lord, I want to be real with you alone in prayer.